Have you ever had something big but unexpected happen to you? You know what it's like. At first, you're uncertain what to think. Is this big and unexpected thing something that's going to be good for me or bad for me? Good for somebody I love? Bad for somebody I love? It, it kind of takes our mind a little bit of time to catch up with what's happening. We find a story like that when we look at the story of the beginning of the life of Jesus. The Apostle Luke in his gospel has said that he wants to talk about everything that is important to know about Jesus from the very beginning. Last week, we looked at a passage that showed that he actually began the story of Jesus before the beginning. He started talking about uh, how an angel announced the coming of a forerunner. We know him as John the Baptist, and how that is the beginning of the beginning of the story. But here, as we continue on in Luke's gospel, we see a big and unexpected story happen to a young woman named Mary. Let's read about that in Luke chapter 1, uh, beginning in verse 26 and reading all the way down through verse 45. Listen as I read the very word of God. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth is uh, in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. 
And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. Thus ends the reading of our text. Anytime we study God's Word, uh, any time of the year, we look to Him in prayer to ask for His help that we will not only hear the Word, but that it will be an encouragement and a growing experience to encounter it. So let's pray and ask for that help right now. Heavenly Father, we love you and thank you for the story that you tell us in your word. And we pray, O oh Lord, even now as we look at this text, that you will send your spirit to help the one who hears the, these words to be encouraged by them, to be able to see Jesus, and Lord, that your spirit might move in such a way that they become more like Jesus. And O oh Lord, I pray that your spirit will help me to speak your word in a way that honors you, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So as we look at this story, this is a story that is very familiar, not only to people who grew up going to church, but the people who just celebrate Christmas, for this is the Christmas story, or at least the beginning of it. We'll look at more of it next week. And here we have the announcement of an angel to Mary. Now, of course, we know from last week's message and the text that precedes this that this is the second angelic birth, or really, conception announcement that we see in the book of Luke. The angel had already gone to Zechariah as he ministered in the temple and told him that his wife will bear a son even though she was barren. And this same angel now goes to Mary. But think of how different the context is. Zechariah was an established man who had authority and significance in his culture. He was a man who was serving at that moment in the most holy, special place in all of the land. And his angel came to give him an announcement of good news. But here we find an angel comes to give an announcement to a young woman a young woman who has no financial means to make her significant and has no social status to make her of special note. And yet, the angel comes to her, not in a place of prominence, but essentially nowhere, to announce to her not just good news, but great news. And this is a marvelous story. As we look at this story together, I want us to see in this story four things. Grace wonder, joy, and faith. Grace, wonder, joy, and faith. We'll go through those relatively quickly as we look at all four from this text. First of all, we see grace in this text. That's really the way the announcement that the angel gives to Mary begins. We'll go back to it again in verse 28. He said, greeting, O favored one, the Lord is with you. Now, interesting, it says, oh, favored one. That means someone who has received special grace from God. We see again when Mary sort of uh, responds in a way anyone would be by a surprise of this magnitude. Uh, she is troubled, and the angel said, you have found favor with God in verse 30. Twice at the beginning of this story, we see that this is a story not 
particularly about Mary, but a, a story about the grace of God that is bestowed upon Mary. You see, God is the actor in this situation. He is the instigator of this whole thing. He has acted out of his own will to give grace to a young woman, and this grace announced by an angel. Now, that is helpful for us to understand, because oftentimes when we read this story, we think, wow, Mary was filled with grace. Uh, in other words, that she was sort of a, a living, breathing distributor of grace. And while that is certainly true as she goes on in her life, at this moment, she is someone who is a receiver of grace. You see, that's always the way the story starts. Not just the story of Jesus and his birth, but the story of anyone who encounters Jesus. They always begin because they have found grace or favor from God. And so this was God's way of saying to Mary, what I am telling you is something that makes you one who has had grace poured upon you. But secondly, when we look at the content of this announcement, we see that it is not just grace to Mary, but it is a grace that will flow through Mary. Because what will be true about this child that she will bear? He will be called a king. And what kind of king? Not a normal kind of king. Notice uh, the language here. You will have a, a son, you will call him Jesus, verse 32. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. What Mary is learning is that through her, through her bearing and giving birth to a child, a grace will come to all of her people. The grace of having a king. Notice the terminology, son of the Most High. The Most High is an expression used in the Old Testament for God himself. This person will be best known as a son of God. And then it says that he will be a, a king and be on the throne of his father David. So is he a child of David or is he a child of God? Well, the reality is it is both. For Mary, she would have understood this terminology as being that her child will be a royal child. For in the Old Testament, when we see the story of David and Solomon and some that came after them, we see that they sometimes are referred to as a son of God. Why? Because God had called them and set them apart to be the leader of his people. And so sometimes he identifies himself, God identifies himself with those people as being their father. So here he is saying, this is good news of grace to all of your people, your siblings, your parents, your cousins, your countrymen, all of them receivers of, of this grace. But this last expression in this announcement in verse 33, this the statement that his kingdom, of this kingdom, there will be no end, shows us that this is a grace that will extend beyond simply her family and kinsmen. It will go to all the world. Think of it. In this world, how many kingdoms have gone on forever? How many kingdoms have lasted for a thousand years, 
or 2,000 years. But the kingdom of this child of Jesus is still going on and growing and getting stronger all over the world. Why? Because God decided to act in grace to this woman and through this woman for the whole world. Now, before we get too much further in this text, I want us to realize that this text is also telling us a story about wonder. Now, of course, in this season, we often see a tagline in a commercial that will say something about wonder. And uh, I can recall one commercial uh, where uh, a small child is looking through the plate glass window uh, of a department store, seeing all the presents and toys with the Christmas decoration all around, and she's wondering. And of course, we're led to think, as the viewer of that commercial, that she's wondering about how many gifts she'll be given at Christmas. She's wondering about the special time of year that's coming. Sometimes I think that when we hear the word wonder, we forget that wonder is when you don't understand completely what uh, something's all about. We see that Mary herself is wondering whenever she hears this greeting of this angel. In verse 29, it says, She was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. In other words, Mary knew that angels just don't show up every day. They don't show up every decade. They don't show up every century. So this was a remarkable thing. For an angel to come and not just appear to her, but to say she was highly favored, a recipient of tremendous grace from God, it caused her to think. The text says she thought about it because she didn't know, what, what is this all about? You see, she was a person who believed in God, believed in his power and his ability to do what he wanted, when he wanted, and she probably was wondering what does this mean for me and my life? If I am so highly favored, what is God going to do to me? This is what her initial uh, impression is. She's thinking, what, what is it that God is going to do in my life as a result of this grace? And so this wonder is about what God uh, will do for her. But as we see in the text, the wonder extends to what God uh, will do, or how God will do. For instance, we see Mary's wonder crop back up uh, when, after she hears the announcement of a birth of a son, after her first wonderment, hey, what does this all mean is answered. What it all means is uh, you're going to be the mother of a son who will reign over his people and whose kingdom will have no end. Of course, that brings up a second wonder. Uh, how's that going to happen? In the, in the original, it says, literally, since I have never known a man. See, in the Bible, sometimes it uses the expression, known someone, to refer to physical intimacy. She goes, I've never known a man. And I think, therefore, it's obviously correctly translated that she says she's a virgin. That's what it, she means by that expression. She says, now I have a second wonderment. How am I going to be a mom of a child if I have never participated in the biological process that leads to children? Uh, she clearly understood the birds and the bees. And so she wonders, 
How will God do this? Isn't that interesting? I think that happens to many people, obviously, on a different scale, that whenever we feel convicted by the Word of God, by the movement of, of the Holy Spirit in our heart, uh, that God has given us tremendous grace, we sometimes wonder, like Mary, what will that mean for us in our life? Do you know that there are some people that resist learning more about Jesus or responding to the good news about Him because they're concerned about what that will mean for their life. What will they have to stop doing? What will they have to start doing? Where might He send them? How embarrassing could that be? And they wonder, what will happen as a result of this grace? But sometimes we're so convinced that this grace has come to us And we have an idea of what God wants us to do, but it seems so big, so grand, that we simply want to know how will something like that happen. Now, of course, I feel like that in my own experience. For instance, just the the process of becoming a church planter, that is someone who seeks to see a new church started and grown in an area That is one of those processes where you feel that God has given you a grace to go and do something, but you wonder how in the world is something like this going to happen? When, of course, if you add to that, that right when you're about to launch into services, then a pandemic that endangers people all over the planet and in your community as well comes along, And you have to shut down the launch and beginning of public worship in your church for months on end. It really causes one to ask the question, or it certainly causes me to ask the question, how will God do this? How will God do this? And uh, that's a good question to ask. Not only what does it mean that I've received this grace, but how will God do this? But we need to understand the third aspect of this wonderment. You see, the angel, even though Mary didn't ask for a sign, she was just asking for information. You know, how how will this happen exactly? The angel gives her a sign. And what is the sign? The sign is that one of her relatives, we don't know uh, how close that uh, relative uh, is to her, how close she and Elizabeth are, uh, you know, in terms of the genealogical uh, connection is, or they could be sisters, they could be cousins, they could be second cousins, third cousins, we don't know. But he says, this relative who you know, even though you've thought she'll never have a child, even though you and your family often will whisper about her being barren, she has been given the grace to have a child and is already in the sixth month of her pregnancy. See, the angel says, Listen, I know you're wondering, how will this happen? Well, let me tell you, God has already done something amazing in the life of your relative. But then the angel just says it straight out. You know, uh, verse 37, for nothing will be impossible with God. Let your mind wonder about that. There is nothing that is impossible for God. Why? Because God is the creator, ruler, and sustainer of all of creation. Therefore, there is nothing in creation that he can't intervene in, change, make better, reverse. You know, he has the power to do anything and everything. You see, I think sometimes 
we, when we wonder how something is going to happen, we know that God has said this will happen. He's encouraged us to step out in faith. And we say, how in the world can this happen? We need to wonder instead about how much power God has. How much power does he have? An infinite amount of power. What can God do? Anything. And so instead of doubting, we need to doubt our doubts. We need to speak to our doubts and say, why do you doubt? God can do anything, for with him nothing is impossible. Thirdly, I want us to look at this text about joy. Now, joy we see in all kinds of places. One, there's joy in the announcement itself. You see, the people of Israel, the place where Mary was living, was being ruled uh, by this faux king called Herod, who was really a puppet of his overlords in Rome. And so the people of Israel understood they were not a free people. They were not a people who were uh, determining their own uh, course of life and history, but they were ones who were being controlled. And what they knew is that there was a time in their own history when they enjoyed not only freedom, but prosperity, respect in the world in which they lived. And it was under the reign of David and Solomon, his son. During those days, Israel was the largest that it, that it had ever been, the wealthiest that it had ever been, the most internationally significant as it had ever been. And it is this message of a king who would sit on the throne of his father David forever, and his kingdom would not end. It was basically saying the glory days are going to be eclipsed by the new glory days that will come through the child that God will give you. That is an amazing thing. That created a joy in the heart of anyone who heard that message, who was wanting to see those glory days return. Uh, but secondly, we see that the joy comes from the anticipation of that kingdom. You see, that's where we can actually share in the experience of Mary and Elizabeth. They get excited before the child is ever born, before the kingdom is established. But we get to be excited and filled with joy because we are, for those of us who have put our trust in Jesus Christ, we are part of his kingdom. We can see his kingdom growing and extending around the world. We can look back in history and see the movement of his kingdom throughout the last 2,000 years. So we can have joy, not just of what we anticipate about the future, but about what God has already done. But you see, we are not robbed of that future anticipation of joy, are we? Advent, part of what it's about, is about being excited and looking forward to a day when the kingship, the kingdom of Jesus will be what we call consummated. That is, everything that it intends to do and accomplish will finally be done. When will that be? When Jesus comes a second time to make all things right, to heal all diseases, to end death, 
to destroy fear. Oh, we still wait and long for that, but we do it not in agony, but in joy, because we know it is as certain as Mary knew after she was uh, made pregnant that it was a sure thing. It was coming. And we know that the end and of all things through the second coming of Jesus is as certain as a mom knows a baby is on the way. Now, that's joy. But we also see joy through the power of the Holy Spirit. What happens when Mary goes to her relative's home? Her relative, Elizabeth, is very excited. She tells, greets Mary that she is blessed, the most blessed among women. Now, she's, of course, not talking about Mary's character or inherent of value, but she's talking about being a recipient of the grace of God. In other words, the Holy Spirit has enabled her. She, it, it says explicitly in the text that the Holy Spirit filled her so that she could understand clearly what was happening. And she was filled with joy. Here was the king bearer coming into her home. Here was the savior bringer that was there in her presence, and it filled her with joy for the Spirit of God stirred her up uh, to understand the significance of this child yet in the womb inside of Mary. But also, the Spirit enabled her to understand what was happening in a commotion inside of the womb of Elizabeth. She said, when you came in, my, my son, that is John, the one who had been pronounced as the forerunner of the great deliverer who would come. He kicked with joy because he knew he was near. In other words, we see this joy as not only Elizabeth's, but the unborn John the Baptist is filled with joy inside of her womb. And oh, isn't it wonderful? Mary joins in their joy. As a matter of fact, uh, the passage following the one we've just read is a song that Mary herself breaks into as she declares her own joy and the excitement of all that is happening. But you see, this joy is for everyone who hears the good news of Jesus and responds with faith, which is our last thing we want to look at. We see faith in this text. We notice even in Mary's uh, greeting here in verse 45, it says, Blessed is she who believed that there will be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. Elizabeth says, Your blessing comes from the reality that you responded to the grace of God with, with faith. You responded to the grace of God with faith. She said, That means you're in a state of blessedness. Remember Jesus when he's doing his Sermon on the Mount later in the, uh, the gospel, he says, blessed are those. Now, what does the word blessed mean? It's, the, it's one who enjoys a, 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 the state of uh, grace, the state of blessing in their life. And here Elizabeth says, you are blessed. Why? Because you have had faith. You have believed what was told to you. Now, that's interesting. She was, she was blessed because she believed. Now, that is a reality that's still true today. It is true today because anyone 
who hears the story about Jesus, that God in His grace became a man in the person of His Son, Jesus Christ, that that Son lived a perfect life, never sinning, so that at the right time He would die on a cross, not for sins or rebellion in His own heart or life, but for the sins and rebellion of people like me and like you and all who would believe that after three days of being in the tomb, he rose from the grave to show that he had paid the penalty for all of the sin of those who believe and that he brings a promise of new life for all who believe. Who are those who are blessed? It is the one who is is willing to believe the word they have been given. Now, that's important because Luke is writing this story to a man called Theophilus, and he says he writes the story so thoroughly because he wants him to, be, uh, to have certainty concerning the things that he had been taught. He had been told the story of Jesus, and what Luke is saying is, I'm going to tell you the whole story so you can have certainty in your belief of these things. And that's important for us as well. Do we have, do we have certainty about this story, the story of Jesus that's told in these pages. But secondly, I want to see the nature of the faith that Mary has. We see it at the end of her own encounter uh, with the angel in verse 38, uh, after Mary's been told that she, a virgin, is going to be given a child. Uh, She says, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to to your word. That's a huge statement. Now, looking back at it from our context, we say, well, that doesn't seem so big. I mean, after all, Mary is super famous even now. Uh, In in some realms uh, in the world, she is venerated, which uh, I don't have time to talk completely about right now. But let's just say that most of us think, wow, Mary, she's a rock star right off. But the reality is she, by being given this announcement and the reality of a pregnancy, was being sentenced to a life of questions and a life of uncertainty. She had no idea at that moment when she responded in faith how her life would go because of her acceptance of what God had done. She knew that in her society that young women who ended up pregnant before they were married, did not enjoy a very good life. At the very least, the reputation was ruined. At the very worst, they could be thrown out of their family and community, and, or they could even be stoned to death. She knew that by receiving this news that her life, at least in the short run, was about to get a lot more complicated and hard. And yet, she responds in faith. She says, if this is the grace of God, I am willing to accept it. I am willing more than that to embrace it. I love the way it says it. Why? Because she says, I'm the servant of the Lord. I'm, I'm a slave of the Lord. The Lord owns all. He has all rights to my life, to my now, and to my future. He has all rights to me. And if this is what He wants to do to me, then I humbly Uh, welcome it in my life. Let it be to me according to your word. She invites this very 
difficult thing into her life because she's willing to be used by God. For those who understand the Christian story, they know that these words sound amazingly like the words of the child that God would give her. We find them in Luke chapter 22. Uh, at the, uh, the last night of Jesus' life, he's in a garden and he's praying about the terrible things that will happen the following day as he is executed as a criminal on a cross. And as he's praying to God, he, he uh, said this, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me, this cup of judgment that would come in his torture and execution. Nevertheless, he says, not my will, but yours be done. You see, the life of Jesus began with a woman who said, may it be to me according to your word. And the life of Jesus, at least uh, before his resurrection, ended with him stating, let, you, uh, let my life be yours. I'm glad to submit myself to you. This is the story of faith uh, in this word. And we need to understand as we look at this story, as we look at all of Scripture, that that is always the response appropriate from the people God gives grace to or reveals truth to. It is to receive it with faith. Luke, throughout his gospel, and then later uh, throughout his book of Acts, will show that this faith, this believing in God and His Word is the key thing in your encounter with God. Do we accept it? Do we trust in Him? You see, Christmas is a time of wonder. It is a time of joy. Uh, it is a time of grace. But it is also a time to be reminded of our need to hold firm in our faith in Jesus. For even as we meditate on the majestic nature of this miraculous story, we do so with the heart of Mary. Oh Lord, whatever it is that you want of me, may I be glad to do whatever your word has commanded. Why? Because nothing honors God more than taking him at his word. Why? because it shows we trust Him. And of course, God is the most trustworthy being in all of the universe. In truth, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit are the only truly, infinitely trustworthy beings in all of the universe. Why wouldn't we trust the Word He has given? And this is the story and how it begins. So this week, I want us all to reflect on these things. And we can ask ourselves, how have I experienced the grace of God in my life? Take time to think about, write it down, share it with someone else. Two, recount at least times in your life that you have experienced the joy of God. Right now is a hard time for many people. And you may say, hey, bald man, Joy is not exactly the first thing on my mind these days, but remember the times when God has brought you joy through the grace that He has brought. And even in longing for future joys, we, be, we are participating in the joy of Jesus and His coming. Thirdly, 
It's okay to wonder, to wonder how all these things happen, to wonder about the glory of the second coming of Jesus and all that that will mean for you and those that you love. But as you wonder, always keep focused on the words that God has given and on the one that God has sent, even Jesus himself. And lastly, of course, always seek to grow our faith. What a better time of year to do it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you for your word and pray even now that you will bring it home to our hearts. Oh Lord, may you enable us not only to receive the grace of hearing your word, but to actually think about it, wonder at it, and believe it, leading to great joy, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. It is a joy to be with you any time of year, especially today, 12 days from uh, our celebration of the birth of Jesus. Uh, joining us again next week as we will be looking uh, at the story at the beginning of Luke chapter 2. Again, a very familiar story of Christmas as we look at God's Word together. You know, we do love to hear from you. If uh, anything comes to mind in terms of the graces or joys that you have experienced, jot one down in a note and email it to us so that we can hear from you. We'd love to hear. We will always respond. Uh, and uh, if you want to learn more about our church, uh, King's Cross Church here in Fort Mill, uh, the information is on the screen. Uh, simply look on our website and drop us a note. We'd love to hear from you. But before we leave, I want us to hear a blessing. This blessing comes from God's Word. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make His face shine upon you. May the Lord lift up His countenance upon you and give you peace in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.